0: Hello, this is Jean MacDonald, the midlife woman's friend, and today I'm dealing with the second episode in my series, Talking with Midlife Men. When we talk to men or to anyone else, we may think we are communicating effectively, but are we? Effective communication is much more than talking. There is a science in communication which results uh, in there being a formula, or I would call it a recipe, to do it well. Like all recipes, we have some ingredients, and then we have a method of combining them to achieve the desired result. In the first of this series, we touched on the first ingredient, which is attention. We talked about the fact that most men can only do one thing well at once. Now This isn't a source of criticism. This is a part of their survival training. They trained as hunters over thousands of years. And as a hunter, you have to have your full attention on the matter in hand. Otherwise, you and the tribe don't eat that night. Men still have that inclination, even though they don't do much hunting these days. And that means that there is no point in talking to a guy when he's watching television especially if it's one of his favorite sporting programs and uh, he's obviously absorbed. And the same goes with whether he's on the phone or on his computer or doing something else that clearly absorbs him. Women can multitask and so listen and respond and remember while doing other things. The guys watching the television may make agreeing noises to kid you he's listening, but don't be fooled. You only have a slither of his attention. We said the best way to get his attention is to ask for an appointment to talk about something important. Once you've got that, the next step is to make sure conditions are right. That means no television on, no phone, no kids, no one else in the room, and no distractions that he could easily get absorbed with. And hopefully, as a result of you fixing an appointment, he'll have a bit of curiosity to focus his attention on you. Can I give you some extreme examples of failing to get attention? I used to work in an office which was open plan, and then screens were put in to create a little more privacy, and um, we were therefore working in cubicles. And it was not unknown to see someone in one cubicle talking across the screen to someone who wasn't there. And they had failed to check that there was their person was even there to get their attention. Another example would be talking over your shoulder to someone who has already left the room. So both of these cases may be amusing, but they are an extreme example of failing to get that first ingredient, which is attention. So you have to make sure that the person's body is at least there. But that's only the beginning. The body may be there, but what about the mind? How do you know their mind is engaged to listen to what you have to say? The way you can best do that is to look into their eyes. Don't underestimate the power of the eyes. Have you ever been in a situation where you turned sideways or even right round and see that there was someone else looking at you? Now that's an indication of the power of attention and that was probably caused only by the mild interest of a stranger. Imagine the power of this attention if it was really focused and linked to the second ingredient which is intention. The power of the eyes is often portrayed in fiction as being hypnotic. Svengali was a fictional character who supposedly could entrance and hypnotize his victim with his eyes. This may be an extreme example, but you have probably come across people who have an intense gaze. This power can be misused in an aggressive way, but in a much more friendly way, It encourages a desire to know what the other person wants to communicate to you. Have a look at the website, answerthepublic.com. It may have changed, but I hope it's still there when you go and have a look. Answerthepublic.com. And it shows the power of the eyes to get our attention and the intention that something wants to be communicated, but there's no sound. So the best we can do is try to lip read what the person is saying but it's a very good example of how attention and intention work together to get someone's interest and their desire to hear what you are going to say. Unfortunately we may find it difficult to look in someone else's eyes and hold their gaze because of social training. Maybe as children we were told it was rude to stare. Also there is this woman looking at a man thing to overcome. Many women are so inhibited by their social training Uh, think that they cannot engage with a male stranger when they look at them. So instead they look away or look at the ground if he looks at them. Men do look at women a lot and it can be embarrassing or offensive. Some women take great offense and refer to it as the male gaze. The truth is that men are looking all the time at everything. It is part of their genetic training as hunters, which I mentioned earlier. As a hunter, everything that moves is potentially a threat or an opportunity. So whether we like it or not, their gaze will include looking at women. It isn't usually rude or offensive. They probably look with some level of interest at all the women they encounter. If it's any consolation, they won't remember you 15 seconds later. But some men do have a habit of staring rudely and offensively at women, and they are a sad pain. But I have a question for you. How do you know it is rude or offensive if they don't say anything? It's from the expression in their eyes and on their face. And that's an example of attention and intention combined. I have an exercise you can do. I'll teach it to you if and when I run an online course on communication skills. Once you've mastered it, you will have no fear of looking into someone else's eyes. If a man stares at you rudely, You will know that if you want to, you can outstare him, not rudely, but until he looks away or more likely runs away. Would you like to be able to do that? Once you can hold someone's attention with your eyes, you can choose how to use that power. You can choose what intention you want to put across the communication line you've established. If necessary, it can be assertive or even threatening, but in normal circumstances, it would be friendly and interested. This combination of attention and intention establishes a communication line. This can be compared with getting someone on the other end of the telephone. They have an expectation that you have something significant to communicate. And in the old days, that was by sound only. I remember there was an opera about a guy who could never get his girlfriend's attention because she was always on the phone. It was the old days of the landline phone. So in the end, his solution was to ring her up. Today we have the equivalent, not just sound, but also sound and vision with an online connection. And that makes life a lot easier. So we can see what the other person is doing and check that we have their full attention. So now we have a connection line in place. We have to decide what we're going to send along it. And that will be the topic of my next episode. I hope you're finding what I have to say about communication with midlife men useful and encouraging. As I said in my introduction, from time to time, we all need to have important conversations with men, bosses, colleagues, suppliers, tradesmen, and adult relatives, and children. And often, the most difficult of course, are with our intimate partners. We're building a foundation of knowledge and skills that will enable you to talk to anyone about anything. So as I said, my next episode is about what we put along the communication line we've established. And in the meantime, this is Gene MacDonald, The Midlife Woman's Friend, signing off for now. Bye.